you're listening to The Tech Box. Welcome everybody to episode 8 of The Tech Box. I'm David Rich this week and the cast of uh, hundreds, we've got uh, uh, James Honeyball. Hello James. Good morning. (laughs) So the cast of hundreds is two. Well, uh, that should be fine, shouldn't it? Oh, definitely. We've got a nice panel and uh, we're all going to drop in and drop out as and when business allows. Uh, I think we've got a drop in from Andy as well, our resident uh, US counterpart with his uh, adventures. So we should have plenty to discuss about. Um, So, okay, I've got something I want to talk about. What we'll do is we'll we'll save that till the end. Uh, James, you've uh, been purchasing, I hear. Yes. So I have in hand a Pixel 2. Hmm, Okay. And I've put my main SIM in it, and I've been using it since Wednesday. And, yeah, I've got a few thoughts on it. So, firstly, is this the Pixel 2 or the Pixel 2 XL, I believe? It's the Pixel 2. Well, you you will have to forgive some of my ignorance, uh, left, right and centre, being the resident Apple fanboy. But this is your opportunity to educate me on all things uh, Android and Google. Okay, so I because I've got the big iPhone, yeah. the seven plus at the moment. So you never was, went. You never went for the eight then. I never really went for the eight because I didn't think it was a massive upgrade. But I've got my eye on the ten. Okay. So because I was going to have a big iOS device, I thought, well, I'll get a smaller Android device. So I chose the non XL version of the Pixel. Okay. Uh, although that that Excel version of the Pixel does look very nice, um, it turns out that the screen is not brilliant on it. If you look at all of the YouTube reviews, you probably would have heard some of the uh, yeah um, noise about that. So, so looking at that, so the first thing you said is you wanted a smaller device, and I'm just looking at a spec sheet here. Good old GSM Arena, it never ceases to fail me. That is quite considerably smaller than what we're used to at the moment. A five-inch display? Yes. That's certainly a step down. Um, well, I suppose it's it's iPhone territory, 4.7-inch, but it's a step down in t- the terms of the Android world. It is, and I think because you have that uh, vertical integration with Apple where they're in charge of everything, they get a lot more out of their 4.7-inch screen than Google get out of the five-inch screen. So it feels, strangely, a little bit more cramped than the iPhone, the the sort of regular-sized iPhone. Okay. Is it it on-screen buttons? Yeah, on-screen buttons at the bottom, which obviously that takes out a big chunk of space, which probably takes you down to about 4.7 anyway. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Could I go... I'm, I'm a plus user, aren't I? Could I go back down? I don't think I could, so... Definitely a brave man. What was the thinking behind that? Smaller screen, pocket well, ability? My, yeah, one of my favourite Android devices is still the Sony Z3 Compact. Oh, so yeah, still, you, you were that guy, weren't you? Yeah. The one that bought that. So I still have that, and I still use that um, most weeks because I use it as my running phone, or going out and running. You know, it's waterproof, it's small, it's got a micro SD card, it's got a non-awful camera if you want to do a quick snap when you're out on your run so it's a quite a good running uh device and that's uh four point something inches screen it's not even five inches and i love that form factor because it's so small and so pocketable as well here you're very much in no man's land it's not small enough for it to be a compact like uh, a z compact from sony uh, or a iphone se and it's not big enough for that kind of classic Android 5.5 inch screen, you know, one plus one size device, which is kind of like the standard size now. So it's kind of stuck in the middle. I think you can feel that because it, it feels a little bit too cramped whilst not being super pocketable. But it's not terrible size wise. It's It feels OK in the hand. It's got this, uh, it's got a metal body but it has been painted and the best way to describe that i think is it feels like you know that teflon coating on the inside of a frying pan yeah it feels exactly like that ah that's not a bad analogy actually i've not heard it uh 
sort of it gives you a bit of context that so yeah. I, I would love to use this iPhone with no case on. I've said this for, for ages now, and um, it would just slide out of my hands. So if I could Teflon coat it, yeah, I think that'd be quite uh, quite good, actually. I think the idea of using it naked is quite compelling, and I did for the first couple of days, but I am using it in a, you know, a five-quid clear plastic case from eBay at the moment, or not eBay, Amazon, Um and actually, I think I haven't made up my mind fully. I think I might use it in the plastic case just because that gives it tons of grip. Is is that for the, is that you envisioning not keeping this and selling it, or no, is I, it just? The inten- yeah, the intention from the start was to keep this. So I regretted not having the Pixel One last year. So there's some really fantastic photos coming out from the Pixel One and. Uh, I really missed not having that last year, regretted it. So I thought, okay, mentally I'll get the Pixel 2 this year and I'll keep it and I'll really give it a workout as a camera phone and see what it can do. Yeah. So it came on, the Pixel came out last year for me and obviously I'm I'm an iPhone user, but I, I do dabble and I do play about with Android devices and I looked at it and I just thought it just... I think Richard summed it up as well when he said it's got no personality. And to me, it just looks like everything. And don't get me wrong, the iPhone isn't gushing with personality. Uh, but just looking at it, it just looks very non-appealing to me. It's hard to describe. Are you feeling that with the two? Or have they yeah, changed I would say, it? Yeah, I would say that the lack of personality is a character trait that is carried over onto the Pixel 2. Okay. It almost, when I look at it, it almost looks a bit like a Sony with the big dual front speakers and the big bezels up the top and bottom. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's a phone that you can really say has a huge amount of personality. Is that by design, do you think? Do you think, because let's look at Microsoft with their Surface devices. Uh, That's meant to be sort of a, a benchmark. This is what you can do. Um, if you it, maybe it's Google not wanting to overly compete with their partners or other Android manufacturers. Could yeah, that be? A, or that's a fascinating thought, isn't it? Because they keep pushing this uh, Pixel and previously the Nexus Six and Six P and Five X. They started pushing these devices much more upmarket and therefore competing much more directly with. Samsung and LG. So I don't know whether it's just that Google haven't quite found their feet in terms of the personality. So they've started to add a few design touches consistently across the range in terms of this uh, band at the top, which they've now applied to their top end Chromebook. And it's been on the Pixel now for two years in a row. This kind of shade at the at the top of the back, which is a different texture to the rest of the back. Mm. It's an odd, it's an odd choice, an odd choice. Again, each to their own. Um, I, it doesn't particularly offend me, but again, it's not really luring, luring me in. So, no. so you went Pixel, you went Android. Um, away from the iPhone, I'm guessing you're going to get the X anyway. You'd be probably daft not to. But so, what's it doing for you? How's how's the camera? How are you finding that? Because I've seen as part of our um, chat group behind the scenes, um, I've seen some pictures floating about being taken with this yeah what did you think so honest answer and i don't know just because it was the medium that i was looking at they looked good but again they they didn't scream at me this is amazing i thought the berries one was nice i'm guessing that was a pixel too that actually was one of andy's and that came from a note okay then so totally off the mark yeah um i liked that one i thought the color range in that was lovely I I, I I like nice, vivid, sort of popping Samsung-y colours. So, um, no, I, I did. I, I liked that one. Um, so I would say that the photos that this is putting out are very good. Um, so, it's got this HDR plus feature, which it now forces on for all photos. So, you get really good... Um, even quality to the photo in terms of everything's nicely lit you get details in all areas of the picture um dark areas are are lit up bright areas are 
you know toned down so they're not blown out so it does that on all photos and things look perhaps slightly processed but not not too unnatural and not too uh strange looking um so it's definitely a it's definitely a very good camera uh and i the one thing that i look forward to uh applying it to is more social occasions so being able to photograph more people and seeing whether it really captures those moments that you you know you're going to treasure uh in terms of in your photo collection so in terms of being able to do landscapes and photograph things it's absolutely fine um and that makes up a certain percentage of the photos that you take but what i've not really flexed its muscles in is you know friends get-togethers um family occasions and just see whether it can pick up all of those uh moments that you want to uh photograph so the photos it was was it you in the pub and then the car as well yeah that's me yeah i may include those in the show notes just give yeah the, that would be listen, good there's a bit of context certainly that um that low light one you took was that easy to take because i took the iphone went to a train museum and it was slightly dark outside but because it was dark inside a combination of the lighting and then the the ceilings were glass if that makes sense you know like the old train station sort of thing where everything's covered over with glass yeah it it was really difficult for the iphone to um, take photos to focus in i've never really hit that problem before um but low light shots they were pretty difficult to take and so much so the wife said you know they've turned out a little bit naff and she's usually gushing about the seven pluses camera so was it easy to take that because it didn't look particularly bad the, the no, dark this was, shot this was just a snap in a pub uh happens to be of me uh and i think it, it again it shows you quite nicely that it brings out all of the details across all of the brighter better lit areas and the darker less well lit areas so that's probably quite a good example yeah no okay yeah would it be enough to make me change my phone though that's the thing and and i think we've got to think of that realistically because i don't know i don't know would you if that was the selling feature so if 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 you had a side by side would would you pick it because of its camera i suppose you would pick it because of its camera but i'm not sure that's enough for the man on the street to pick it Mm. And if the man on the street is looking at this versus a Galaxy S8, which is going to feel fantastic in the hand and look amazing in the shop, I can't see many people opting for this. Even though testing it, it, it obviously is um, pretty good. It's pretty up there. The speed of the thing is obviously very nice. You can really nip around between all of the apps and scrolling is very smooth. The screen is very responsive. It has a, a very good piece of feedback when you're using for instance the keyboard it the little vibration that it gives when you touch a key is really nice and it does give that feedback as if you've got something similar to the uh you know the software home button uh on the iphone 7 and 8 yeah it kind of gives you that feedback that you've actually got something a little bit more tactile there so i think they've done some work there so it feels it feels nice to use and and I guess the the main phone gets out of the way and Android is then just very, very usable and very fast underneath. There's not much great about the phone. It's really about the operating system, I guess, coming to life. It'd be good to get Richard's... Uh, Richard, oh, actually, I say that, <laughs> the one week he isn't here, uh, because he had the Pixel, Pixel 1, didn't he? And yeah. I find from reading, and again, I've never handled the Pixel 1, but I get got the impression it was rushed that it was maybe another phone or a box of parts that HTC had lying around that they they put together and got out really quickly. And I thought when I was thinking Pixel 2, I was thinking, okay, they've had a good couple of years now to produce what they wanted. Um, Have they produced anything markedly better? And the design tells me that, no, actually, it's probably an intended design, which I'm a little bit disappointed in because... Like, like I said, I, I don't hate it, but I don't, I don't love it. But I just want would wonder if it is a totally different phone internally to the Pixel One. If that yeah, makes I think, sense, I think because there was 
I see what you're saying. Because there were these rumours that the Pixel 1 was a bit rushed, I think their expectations were then set for the Pixel 2 to be something a bit of a step on, yeah. to a bit for it to be much better than the Pixel 1 in terms of how it's been put together. And really, it's not a huge amount of a step forward, I don't think. So from that point of view, it's slightly disappointing. But that's, I suppose, it's very easy to find faults with it because there are a few faults with it. But it is nice. You know, it, it, there's a couple of features that are really good. I'm not sure whether the Pixel 1 had this always on screen so it always shows me the time the next uh, alarm uh, the date and any notifications it's, it's a really good glanceable screen that's yeah. on all the time not just when you pick it up or nudge it it doesn't seem to have too much effect on the battery which is the battery i found to be very good not amazing but very good so uh, on a light use day with no charging it had 85 percent at the end of the day which that's is pretty good. Yeah, it's, that's, that's decent, isn't it? And that was me. I, I'm not able to use my phone a huge amount at work, but that was nipping in a few times and using it on the way in and then the way out. Get, having 85% when you plug it back in at the end of the day is pretty good. Yeah. And I used it very intensively yesterday and it got down to kind of, you know, less than 5% by the end of the day, but it didn't actually fully run out, which again is a testament to it. So... I think the battery life on it is good. It's not, I don't think it's perhaps uh, iPhone plus level, but it's probably not too far off. You, you say you say iPhone plus level, but I'm noticing with a combination of iOS 11, and I think just the fact that this phone that I've got now is a year old, and I'd have usually changed it by now, uh, I'm actually noticing pretty bad uh, battery life. It's it's odd. I've never experienced it before because I've never kept on to it. I would have usually chopped it out now for the iPhone 8 or the X. But um, So what what's your definition of uh, not great uh, battery level then? So, okay, bit of, again, like you, I don't use my phone at work. So a bit of YouTube on the lunchtime, uh, maybe 10, 15 minutes, a couple of calls, um, listening to probably about six hours of podcasts. Again, not massively intensive. And then... Again, maybe one game, and it's probably that's from five o'clock in the morning, and then I'm hitting recharge time about seven o'clock at night. So I would expect that to be, you know, a good 20, 30% left with that. Yeah, profile. I, I would as well. But I've always been hit with a bad, bat, bad battery in terms of I don't do a lot, but it still runs out the same as everyone else. And I think speaking to people, I, I think it may be the fact that I just leave it in the car all day and it's probably polling for uh, signal or I, I, I don't know. It's got to be, I think it's probably got to do something. Okay. So you're saying that at seven, excuse me, at 7 PM, yeah. you're, it's zero. It's probably about 3%. So that's, that is, that's definitely not great. No, it, but it never, it, like I said, it's markedly worse than it used to be. Um, it, it probably would usually be hitting about twenty percent there. So I, 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 I think it's iOS. I don't know. I think it's iOS Have eleven. You spent the time to actually because what I normally do is I'll run a phone with everything turned on. I mean, I even have the OK Google uh, turned on on my phone at the moment. So everything's uh, I normally run with everything turned on, and then if I start to experience bad battery life, I start turning stuff off. And what I've noticed on iOS is if you do make the effort to go through the location services and turn off all but the essential location services and you go through all of the apps and you make sure that background refresh is removed on all but the essential ones um, that can have a dramatic effect on battery so is it worth doing that and seeing if that gives you the extra boost it, it probably is and i haven't i'm not a very good housekeeper at the moment i I, I run everything at full brightness, so it, it's the Kevrite scenario. It's on 100% brightness when I'm using it, so I'm, I'm booming out YouTube at 100% brightness. It's always bright. Um, I checked my storage capacity because, again, I've had this a year now, and I've, I've not. I've, I just take photos. I just install things, and I was at about 121 gig on a 128 gig device. So I've slowly, nearly maxed it out over the 
um, over the year. So my housekeeping isn't brilliant, James. I'm not. Mm. I'm not removing things. I'm not. I'm just letting things use default permissions, left, right, and center GPS. So I probably would benefit and could probably benefit from removing a lot of stuff that maybe using location in the background and things like that. I just. I'm not being a very good citizen of the mobile world. Well, a good phone is one that you don't have to worry about that kind of thing. You just switch it on, load it up with your apps, off you go. It lasts a day plus and you don't have to worry about those things. To be honest, though, it's no great hardship for me. So at seven o'clock, I'll plug it into an iPad charger and leave it for maybe half an hour while I go about doing things and then pick it up again and what, you know, have 30%, 35% battery. Yeah, that's actually that's worth mentioning on the the Pixel Two as well. Actually, so last night it did get down to about uh, sort of three or four percent, and I used the MacBook twelve inch charger, yeah, you know, the twenty nine twenty nine watt one, plugged that in, and the speed that it charged was absolutely incredible. You know, it was up to fifty um, percent in you know probably about quarter of an hour, twenty minutes. Yeah, mad, isn't it? Think what you could do with the eighty-seven watt charger from the yeah, fifteen inch. Blow it up. It was uh, a <laughs> small incendiary yeah. device. Yeah, it was uh, sucking in that power at some rate of knots. It was quite incredible. Yeah. So I suppose I should um, say some other things uh, about the Pixel Two. So one, I was going to say say some more positive things, but one thing that is quite annoying actually is the fingerprint sensor, which. I take for granted on the iPhone. So on the iPhone, I would say that the fingerprint sensor works or apart from the situation of when you've just got out of the shower and your fingers are wet, obviously it doesn't work then. But normally I would say about, what, 95%? Yeah, it's pretty high. Uh, And on here, you're going back to maybe 85%. And that's just so jarring, you know, not being able to, you put it on there and it sort of, does that little vibration that it's misread it and then you have to take your finger off and then you have to put it back on again and doing that it just really sort of knocks you out of your stride and makes you lose that little bit of confidence with it do you think that's location wise and you're not fully lining it up properly yeah could be and i think it's so keen to do a uh, fingerprint read that it does it when your finger's only half on yeah so it, it tries to do it so quickly that it kind of misfires and then but the, it ends up that the whole interaction ends up taking a, a few milliseconds too long um i was using a lenovo p2 on holiday i went out to egypt a couple of weeks ago and the p2's uh fingerprint reader was similar in terms of it wouldn't unlock every time and i just put that down to the fact that the p2 was a 200 quid um fairly cheap and cheerful device but this one's a top end device yeah i shouldn't really be wrestling with the fingerprint sensor at all it should be absolutely bulletproof yeah apple nailed that and they nailed it pretty early on and i don't know just from some of the android devices that i use it's awkward to use a fingerprint sensor because of the location on the back i know it's a matter of preference whether you have it on the front or the back but I, i for me like it on the front I like to be able to see what I'm doing. But it, it, you're right. It's as though they all use this fingerprint sensor that's maybe not quite good because it's cost-effective to put it in or something. I don't know. I guess it could be cost, but I. it's a difficult one. You would have thought that on a £600 phone and a lot of people buying the Pixel are going to be spending the best part of £1,000 on it because they're going to be getting the, the Plus, you know, the 700 800 £900 version of it. You would think that they would be using the best fingerprint sensor they possibly could. Yeah, I, I turned it off on the S8, on the S8 Plus, um, and that and just used sort of Bluetooth Smart Unlock. And, and, oh, that's yeah. a, and why, why would I have to do that? That's, that's the thing. I, it would never even cross my mind to turn it off on my iPhone. It's there, it's a button, I push the button, it opens. Uh, but the fact that it worked that little for me... Is this on, sorry, on the S8? On the S8 Plus, yeah. yeah. I, 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 li- I literally just turned it off and I, I yeah. hate hate the position, so I, I'd probably just turn it off on this and on, on anything. I just find them awkward in that position, and, and you're right, they, they generally tend to miss a beat every now and again, whereas I wouldn't even consider that with Touch ID. It's no. Just not even come into it. So I, I'm definitely going to keep it 
Um, I'll definitely keep it until the iPhone 10. So that could be uh, a couple of weeks or uh, depending on whether these iPhone 10 supply rumors are correct. Yeah. You know, six months. So we'll, we'll see. But I'll definitely I'll definitely keep it around and I'll keep it as my main device uh, at least for the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking through the specs. And like I said to you, it it's I don't know why I'm not more attracted to it. It, it seems to have everything. It, it doesn't really. It's IP67, water and dust resistance. It's got the coveted Aptex codec that Steve Nutt likes with his Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not a bad device. On paper, it's really, really solid. They seem so to have I, nailed it. Well, I made a list of things that it didn't have. Okay. And it was relatively healthy. So, doesn't have a headphone jack, doesn't have dual camera. The flash is only dual. LED and it's looks to be a single color. It's IP67, not IP68. Uh, the Pixel 2, certainly the non-XL, is a regular 1080p screen, not a quad HD. Yeah. Uh, it's not got any of that kind of curved screen technology, albeit it does on the XL, but certainly the non-XL doesn't. Uh, 4K recording is only 30 frames, not 60 frames a second. It's single SIM. It's not got a micro SD card. It's not got wireless charging. It, uh, I put a couple here that are, okay, they're not on everything, but it doesn't have a dedicated camera key. It doesn't have a IR blaster, although they are probably going out of fashion. <laughs> and it doesn't have the alternative, uh, you know, biometric unlock systems that the S8 does with the face ID and the iris recognition and the face ID from Apple. So... The list of things it's missing is is pretty long. And then just out of interest, I went back onto the Google store and I had a look at what I was paying on previous uh, Nexus devices. And the Nexus 4 was 279 That was a great 16 device. That was a great device. Just imagine how premium that felt back in the day. Mm-hmm. They then had a Nexus 4 sale just before they launched the Nexus 5. And so I picked up a Nexus 4 uh, 16 gig for 199 Crazy. Yeah, very nice. Uh, they I then bought a Nexus 5, I can see, for a 32 gig one for 339 Brilliant. And the price <laughs> is creeping up here. The Nexus 5X, uh, I got a 32 gig one for 379 yeah. And then Pixel 2, 64 gig, 629. Christ. It's almost doubled. Yeah. Almost doubled. But that's the way everyone's gone, isn't it? It is a little bit, yeah. There are still some great bargains out there. So uh, the phone that I mentioned previously, the Lenovo P2, even though I think that's gone off sale now, that was 200 quid. You know, what a bargain that was. Yeah. I... I... I don't know. I think the day it's it's a shame, but I think the days of three hundred pound smartphones are well. I know they're well behind us, but you you know what I mean. Where phones were reasonable, reasonable price yeah. is I think what back in the early two thousands, every smartphone was three hundred pound. There was pretty much price parity across the range. Well, we've always had that. We've always had the five hundred, six hundred pound phone, but I think that. Uh, big companies like Google or LG or Samsung, you know, or Huawei trying to muscle in on the market with a top end specs for 300 quid. I think those days are gone. Yeah, it's, it's got, I'd like to think it'd come down, but I don't. I'm, I'm just going to play um, devil's advocate, James, because that long list of things that you said that it was missing, I would argue that they're missing because they're either done in a different way or they're, they're not relevant, if that makes sense. Other manufacturers aren't doing it commonly. So the head fat, headphone jack, most manufacturers are, are moving that way, or you could use a dongle. Um, the IP68, I, I, again, I think the 67 is the standard. Um, I'd, I'd agree with you, the screen, that is sort of a, a, a letdown. That's sort of not the trend if at the moment. Um, in, no memory card slot. Again, I'd say some of the better ones, like the iPhone, that don't have external memory is better for it. So I can see why they've done some of the things. Um, so whilst it's probably a long list, I, I, I think they've either mitigated against it 
or, or it's done in a different or not relevant. Yeah, I mean, certainly some of those that is the case, like the dual camera yeah. is a good example where they've tried to uh, have a similar effects as a dual camera with a single camera, and uh, that seem they seem to kind of got away with it, but the portrait mode on the Pixel 2 as it stands at the moment is not as nice as the portrait mode on the uh, Plus phones or the iPhone, but then, you know, Apple have had a couple of years to, you know, perfect the edge detection uh, on their portrait mode, and it's fairly early days on the Pixel, so let's not judge it perhaps too harshly, but I think that they've been slightly wrong-footed, uh, Google, with regards to the new iPhone with things like wireless charging. Uh, I think if the Pixel 2 had had another few months in development, I think they might have tried to incorporate wireless charging because manufacturers try basically follow in Apple's footsteps with a lot of things. So it wouldn't surprise me if wireless charging works out to be popular on the iPhone, uh, that we start seeing wireless charging become much more standard on the Android side. What do you mean, James? I, wireless charging is a brand new technology. It's never yeah. been seen before. Well, <laughs> it could make a comeback in uh, in a sense that it seems like a bit of a new technology as people start adding it back in, I think. Yeah, now that the iPhone's doing it, I think uh, everyone is going to do it and um, the consumer will see it as being amazing, even though we've had it for many years. So in, in conclusion then, I think what we're saying is the Pixel 2 is a nice enough phone. It's a bit too expensive. It's got a nice camera. Bezels are fairly chunky, but decent enough. Yeah, competitive, but I wouldn't queue up overnight to get it, I don't think. Yeah, I think that that probably sums it up. Yeah. Should we uh, move on? Yeah, so what we'll do at this point is we'll skip over to the United States, I believe, and uh, we will insert our extract from Andy and find out what he's been up to. Hi, everyone. This is Andy recording this in New York City. Kew Gardens, Queens, New York City, to be precise. Not the Kew Gardens in London, although with those gardens in London, it's probably a nicer view than the one I have. I've been using Windows 10 Mobile recently with the Lumia 650, and I am very relieved to tell you that that thing has gone the way of eBay and has gone far away from here, because that thing went from being quite good to terrible with one of the latest updates, and it was slow, it was crashing, none of the apps seemed to load quickly anymore, and it was a real pain to use. So it was becoming more of a a hindrance than a help. Luckily for me, I managed to grab hold of a, a fairly mint condition Nexus 5, not particularly uh, in any bad shape, but really interestingly, the the seller of the Nexus 5 is a bit of a lineage expert, and so he had loaded Android 7, actually 7.1.2, onto the Nexus 5, and the lineage OS. So I've never tried anything with lineage before, so I was very interested to see what that was all about. And uh, we've been actually been in contact a few times. Uh, he's I've asked him a few questions about lineage in terms of the updates and things like that and how to do that. Definitely took me back to the Mamo days on my Nokia N900 from a few years ago. But um, no, it's it's been good. The best thing about using an Android phone, though, these days is that you know it's going to be fast and it's going to be reliable. Even though the Nexus 5, I think it's a 2013 phone, um, using it for what I'm using it for, which is basically Instagram, um, Outlook email, and a few other things, it's fast, it's just reliable, hasn't let me down yet. And of course, having Qi charging is just such a boon, because now, you know, I have the the Note 8, which is obviously a Qi charging phone as well, but comes with a USB-C port. For charging if you want to charge it quickly but with the wire and I don't have a, uh, a micro USB lead lying around anymore so now I can just plop the Nexus 5 on the same charger I use for the, the Note 8 and I'm good to go so Windows 10 mobile for me is definitely and I say it here first definitely dead and it's done and I don't want to <laughs> I don't want to use it again I don't want to have to deal with the slowness, the crashiness, the um, apps just not loading, even though they say they're loading, email syncing, but actually not syncing. 
it's actually a real pain to use. And I just think that Microsoft have given up on it and we probably won't see any proper updates to Windows 10 Mobile from now on. So I think it's, it's good that it's gone. I'm back with something that's reliable and I can use easily and I know it's not going to let me down. So that is my update on my kind of work phone. Uh, it's now a Nexus 5, very happy with it and no more Windows for me. Uh, the Note 8 is still marvellous. Um, it's still snappy, it's still fast, it's still doing everything the way it should do. I still enjoy using the stylus, so despite Mr. Steve Litchfield telling everybody that a stylus is probably only going to be used once a day and that's not good enough for him, come on Steve, you've got to get the old stylus out and put it to good use. In fact, the, the best use case I've had for that so far, I was sitting in a restaurant with my wife and we were discussing various kitchen renovations and I wanted to draw her my idea for what we're going to do with the ceiling and you know you're in a restaurant you could ask the waiter for a pen and paper but why would you do that when you have a note 8 in your pocket so I took out the, the note 8 uh, opened up uh, a fresh uh, note took out the stylus and drew for her my idea for the ceiling which of course was changed and I was able to do that she could draw me her idea and we were actually able to save that and email it to each other later on and compare notes later on and so you know it's one of those things it's it you may not use it every day and you may not put it to good use all the time but now and again it comes in very handy not just for sending a friend a happy birthday message in a kind of cool flashy way you can actually use it for proper things like taking notes or drawing plans or whatever when pen and paper aren't necessarily to hand. So that's why I think it's going to be really difficult for me to pull myself away from the Note 8. I am quite excited about what Nokia bring down the road, being, you know, an old school Nokia fan. The Nokia 9, if it produces the goods, that, you know, that's going to be something I'm going to be interested in. But I have to say, after using the Note 8 with the stylus for the last month, I think it's going to be difficult for me to change to a different phone. I'm very happy with the with the photos. I'm very happy with the glance screen, the uh, the double tap on the home button. Very important for me is uh, the Google Assistant works just brilliantly. So the phone can be sitting on the coffee table, and I can be in the kitchen, and I can say uh, the magic word, and it just it you know it comes to life and it does what I want it to do I don't have to interact with the phone physically so that's something which is uh, different because it's an it's an it's a Samsung phone and they're you know they're well known for not playing nicely with Google Assistant but the Note 8 does it's 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 a rarity so I think I'm going to be sticking with this for for quite a while anyway I don't want to rattle on too much so I am going to now hand it back to the wise gentleman of the Tech Box podcast. Speak to you soon. So thank you very much, Andy. Um, I like following his tales and hopefully he'll be able to join us all at some point and we can talk to him live, James. Yes, that's good, isn't it? Schedules will eventually match, I believe. Um, I, I was going to mention, so I, I alluded to at the beginning, I, I'm, I'm, having, I'm having a MacBook quandary, I believe. Mm, a MacBook meltdown. Yeah, pretty much. So... We, we all know that I had my MacBook Saga and MacBook Pro, the 15-inch, and I got a new 2017-inch one. Thank you very much, Apple. A couple of iterations of that. I'm pleased to announce I'm all settled in. It's all working. But I, I've been questioning it of late, and people might have noticed it's been on, on for sale on PSC. And you might say, why are you selling it? You know, it's taken you a long time to, to get where you're at. But I don't know, James. I just don't use the thing. I yeah. literally do not use the thing. I I pick it up maybe once a week if I'm doing a if I'm doing a podcast. Yeah. And I don't like to leave it in the loft, which is my new office because it's not fully insulated yet, so the temperature fluctuations and all that. I, I wouldn't feel comfortable leaving it overnight, say. Up, up here. Do you think it might get uh, too cold and too warm that it will get like moisture in it? Yeah, and I, I again, I just wouldn't want. I mean, I've. Some of the kit that I've got up here now, I've not seen any any issues with regards to it, but certainly that's a major factor with me not using it a lot because yeah. I'll pop into the office and I won't want to take my laptop up there and hook it up to my three screens. I'll just use the older MacBook that I've already got that I don't care about, plugged in, yeah. that's already connected yeah. to a, a screen. 
So it sounds sounds to me a bit like my 12-inch MacBook, which I don't think I've used since I last recorded a podcast. Um, and it kind of comes back to what I was saying, I think, on the first podcast we did about the MacBook Air. It felt like a bit more usable. You could chuck it about. You'd, you know, you can use it. The keyboard was uh, a little bit more, pl- a little bit more enjoyable to use, and it was a bit more u- usable, com- compulsive in terms of using it. Whereas the new MacBooks, because they feel a little bit fragile, mm. they don't compel you to use them as much. I, th- I think it, uh, it's a combination of that. I, I think it's that expensive. That, and I, I had the, all those failures early on that I just think, you know what, I'd rather just go upstairs and use the old MacBook that I, I really don't care about. And, you know, yeah. and I look at the wife enviously because she's got a 2012 MacBook Pro and it, it's it's the last one where you can upgrade. It's it's pretty solid. We put an SSD in there so it's nice and nippy. It's got an i7 yeah. processor, um, 8 gig of RAM, but we can swap that out for 16, no issue. What size screen was it? She's got the 13. Okay, so that's quite a nice size, really, isn't it? It's chunky, but nice sized. And I look at her, and she throws it around. She carries it by the screen. Oh, that that annoys me. It's like a handbag. It's like, oh, please don't carry it by the screen. The screen screen is the handle. That is so brilliant. And and she she carries it around, and it's got marks on it, but you know what? It's, uh, again, they don't look massively terrible because it's just yeah. silver and on silver and yeah. i just think she's making the most of that she just yeah, picks exactly. it up puts it down throws it i mean she's she's not careless but she certainly doesn't covet it and yeah doesn't care that it is you know it it's could, when when you see someone with their iphone 5s or their iphone se and it's all battered oh. uh, but the screen is still working they're using it as a tool it's doing everything that they want it to do and i'm quite envious of that i think yeah i want a battered out yep. millennium falcon <laughs> of a phone but as soon as i get one tiny scratch the you know the beginning of the journey of getting to that point you know, I go a little bit sad and, um, you know, I go off and cry in the corner because I've put a tiny little scratch on it. But yeah. you really, you need to get to that point, don't you? You need to get to the point where the bit of tech that you're using is battered and you can chuck it around and you're really comfortable with it. And you that's the, th- that's the point where it you're using it compulsively. And I think I won't ever get there because I, d- I don't use I don't use it as a tool. So I use it to to do the podcast, which I quite happily do on anything, but I don't use it. So it's not like I'm I'm commuting on a train and I've got reports to write and I've got presentations to I don't use it as a tool for my daily work. Yeah. So therefore every time I get it out, it's an event to get it out. Yeah. And I and I look at it and I think, Oh yeah, well that's nice, or I've got the latest and greatest and it's all good. But I'm not using it in anger that, oh, well, I don't really care that it's like this because I've got this presentation that's due tomorrow and I've got to get my notes wrapped up and I've got to get it created and I don't really care anymore. It's, it's I just need it to do the job. Yeah. And it's never going to get there for me because I don't use it as part of, part of my daily daily life and I yeah. get it out maybe once a week. And so, it's hard for me to imagine these current generation of MacBook and MacBook Pros getting to that battered out stage. Because I don't think so the keyboard... Fragile, they're going to die before yeah. they get to the battered out stage. That keyboard is not going to not going to last. I mean, like I said, it's got three years of Apple care on it. And what I think will happen is maybe a year down the line, a year and a half down the line, Apple will have solved the problem in a revision to the keyboard. And when you take it in under the Apple care or when they eventually do the Apple extended program to cover the warranty for five years, so they capture all the devices basically yeah. as they fail they'll i i'm not i think that this keyboard is going to stay like it is just for the current generation of yeah. macs and i think if they fix it it'll be in a future macbook i think that i think that it's probably as good as it can be this keyboard given how big the keys are how little travel they've allowed in the design so i think if you're going to make a better keyboard you need another few uh, millimeter, well, not you know, not millimeters, but hundreds of millimeters of travel and gap 
uh, and tolerance built into this keyboard. And I don't think that's there with the design of the current laptops. I, I, I Maybe I'm overly hopeful, but again, because what they're doing is when they're changing these keyboards, they're changing the top case. Yeah. I think they can jerry-rig something couple, a year down the line or something when, when they go in for the keyboard that they replace the top case and it might be slightly different in some way, shape or form, but because they're changing it, the actual surrounding around it as well, Yeah, I think they, they could do it if they wanted Maybe. to. Yeah, because you you're right there. Whenever they've changed the uh, trackpad and the keyboard on this MacBook, the whole top has been replaced. Yeah. So I'm hopeful they'll redesign it in even just a subtle way that it will. It, I, there will definitely be an extended warranty program on this. I, I've seen it for lesser problems yeah. on devices. If you remember the Mac, the white MacBooks, they had all the case cracking around yes. the uh, palm rest. Again, they they were still changing those out free of charge in 2012, 2013. So um, they extended the warranty. Uh, that, that could work out very expensive for Apple if the amount that they charge on the keyboard is anything like what it cost them. Because I think it's about 350 quid for a MacBook uh, top replacement. Yeah. So looking dollars wise, people are saying that it's about $700 for the top case on the MacBook Pro. Oh, that must include the um, touch bar and everything. Yeah. yeah. So you can't be handing out multiple $700 no. to every uh, MacBook Pro uh, customer because whilst there's plenty of profit margin in there there's not enough pro- profit margin to be handing out multiple $700 to everyone and you could easily argue the case so I got my 2015 replaced didn't I for three it's three faults and they'll replace it for um, a new generation yeah or the equivalent of so three keyboard repairs three are uh, three individual issues then you're well within your rights to either request a refund or to apple to substitute it so i wouldn't be surprised in years down the line when you've had three keyboard failures that you'll get the latest generation where they've solved this potentially that's interesting isn't it so basically what we're saying is that the next crumb to make its way into my keyboard means that i get a brand new laptop pretty much yeah pretty Mm. much crazy isn't it it is a little bit crazy not that i want to uh, risk having that conversation or it, it's uh, from from my sort of dealings with them that's sort of standard protocol it's three three mate they call it three major events where you've had to have three replacement parts put in then you can push for a replacement unit mm-hmm. um, and if you wanted to do it under consumer law which is what the route I went down you need one major and you need, which is anything being changed, and you need to have uh, sort of in it. It, need, it needs to be going in for its second, so it needs to have one outstanding. So for me, um, I had everything changed, the motherboard changed. I had that done twice, and then I had one. It, it, it still hadn't solved the problem, so it was going to have to have another major thing done to it. And then under consumer law, they look to again change that. So I, th- I think it will be costly, and I don't think we'll see another generation like it, I don't think. No, it's a really interesting situation they've got themselves into with these uh, current line of MacBooks. So I've, I've noticed that there's a growing amount of disquiet uh, on the internet around the MacBooks, the keyboards. Uh, yeah, not what with the, the backlash over the headphone jack and the backlash over the <laughs> MacBook keyboards and the uh, touch bar and the lack of uh, ports, I wonder if that's going to amount to anything. It must be fairly uncomfortable for some people at Apple at the moment. Yeah, I think I've just potentially done myself out of selling this MacBook Pro, to be perfectly honest. (laughs) I I will will caveat it with mine does come fully with three years of Apple care. Mm. Uh, So you you won't run into any issues, I don't think. Um, Yeah. If you want a, a laptop that's running Mac OS, then you don't have you a choice. Got any choice, have you? No, not not at the moment. They all the all the latest generations are this design, aren't they? Mm. Uh, and that that brings on to the question. I was thinking, what what do I replace this with? Do I replace it? That's that's the question. I've got an iPhone Seven Plus. Part of me would say, just buy treat yourself, Dave. Buy yourself a nice iPhone X. Yeah, or ten, as we should probably call it, yeah. and maybe pick up a 
you know you've you've got plenty of Macs around that that could do the job but treat you know pick up maybe a 2012 MacBook Pro just to you know have that little bit of extra horsepower if you need it or even go down the route of getting an iPad I don't know I'm sort of stuck with what would I what would I replace I do a lot of my stuff James on mobile now yeah I think the a really attractive Mac if you could get one quite cheap for me would be the 13 inch you know a top spec 13 inch of the last generation of the macbook pros you know the last retina ones oh, right, before yeah. they went um touch bar so those are quite small they're quite thin and they'll have all the ports they'll have the the decent keyboard the decent screen and you'll be losing some cutting edge on the cpu but you know those cpus they're perfectly fine you know a few years old now but those intel cpus um haven't been getting you know they haven't been doubling in performance so every year you know like they used to so i think that would be the one for me that i would go for if you could get one of those cheap imagine how good that would be yeah you, you're definitely right moore's law on processor i think stopped quite a while well a few years back now because i've like i said that i've got a white macbook kicking around up in the in the uh, loft and I, I use that just for web browsing a bit of YouTube, and that's that's a Core Two Duo. Yeah, and that's that's okay. It's not blazing, but it, yeah. it does the task. My Mac, my Mac Mini is a i five at one point four gigahertz, and you know, again, that it's not blazingly fast, but it's enough with an SSD to do the job. Yeah, I think it's it's not so much that the CPUs haven't been coming on because they have been coming on. It's just that the Intel CPUs of five, six, seven years ago are perfectly fine for desktop use you know they're perfectly fine for web browsing running your tools editing your photos at least you know the yeah cpus from a few years ago are absolutely fine what i would bite their hand off if they brought out a new mac mini that's relatively competitive i with my three that would support three of my monitors natively I I would have that in a flash and just I'd I'd love it I'd love and it. Did you see Tim Cook sent an email to that effect recently yeah. saying, "Don't worry, the Mac Mini is not dead." Yeah, well, I, I just you know, Tim, I'm I'm looking to buy in the next month or so. Please. The only problem is, um, if you go onto Apple's website now and you spec out a Mac Mini that has a reasonable spec, so dual dual core. 3 gigahertz CPU, um, 16 gig of RAM, and a reasonably big SSD, you know, you're looking at 1,500 quid. I know, it's expensive, isn't it? And when, then you think to yourself, well, I could just get an iMac. <laughs> well, exactly. So the, I find that the iMacs are actually priced fairly competitively considering you're getting a top-end monitor into the bargain. Yeah. But you look at the Mac Mini pricing at the moment and they need to adjust that if the Mac Mini is going to be good if this new generation does come out. I mean, I can foresee a new generation Mac Mini with USB-C. Maybe they'll have enough ports there for you to get three monitors going. Maybe, who knows, maybe more. But, you know, they have to uh, look at this pricing. They have to make it attractive because historically it used to be this very entry point mac that you could get and it could be really affordable whereas now i think that if you went for the entry level one it would it would be so anemic you know oh. four gig of ram and yeah. spinning hard drive that it really wouldn't really wouldn't be a good experience so they need to make sure that they're really competitive well as competitive as they should be on the pricing i think i bought that 1.4 gigahertz one with the four gig of ram and it purely sits in my cupboard as a server connecting to my storage and does that have the spinning hard drive i took it out and put an ssd in it was ah, just okay. it was unusable yeah, I, yeah it was I, you just couldn't do a thing on it no. it just spanned that beach ball left right and center it was yeah yeah exactly. crazy um i was, I was just looking see this is again this is, this adds to the decision a, a nice 21 and a half inch imac the 4k ones it's 1200 pound that's a 13 inch macbook pro money yeah um the twenty-seven starts at about seventeen fifty, and I'd want the seventeen in twenty-seven, wouldn't you? 
if you're going to go iMac, yeah. you'd want the big yeah. one. But um, yeah, so you're right. Fifteen hundred pound on a Mac Mini is just crazy to get. It's just madness. You wouldn't do it, would you? No, you really wouldn't so do what, it. So what's where, what's your current plan then? If you uh, if someone came up to you tomorrow and took that uh, Mac Pro off your hands, what would you do? So for me, I I, I can I'm discounting the iMac on the fact that again I've got that eight, that problem of I'm I'm leaving it in a loft and I don't want something that's worth two thousand pounds going through um, temperature fluctuations. It, having said that, if you left it on all the time, whilst that's not very eco-friendly, it should mean that the innards stay at roughly the same temperature the whole time. Yes, I, I agree. And I thought about that, but then I thought screen. I thought screen, con- I, I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel right. I mm. don't know. I, I, th- I think, my current thinking is iMac would love to own one but you know what they say about your dreams don't realize them too soon so i might save that for years to come um i'd get i'd do a new mac mini if they if they release a new mac mini i would have one of those and just leave it up there connected to three monitors i know you might say why would i do that but hey so i think we've got one we've got we've got one launch to go before the end of the year haven't we in terms of the iMac Pro which they've previewed and I think they said that that was going to come out before the end of the year is that right yeah yeah I think December December time so if they have an event maybe end of November beginning of December maybe they would be able to do a Mac mini refresh at that point I think they've discounted an event but they, um right. This they year, it's launched already, basically. So they're just gonna—it's just gonna find its way into the shops at the end of the year, is it? Yeah, but they did that with the last refresh of the Mac Mini. There wasn't an event; it just appeared. So they may do it. I think. I, I think know. because they're so um, under the cosh at the moment in terms of people moaning about what they're doing with the Mac platform, that I think that they would possibly want to do a little event, even if it was refreshing the Mac Mini. Maybe not if that's the only thing they've got to talk about, but I don't think that they would just refresh the Mac Mini without mentioning it somewhere. It staggers me how in 2017 people will put a 5,400 RPM drive in things. Yeah. I'm just looking through now and it's like, why would you ever do that? No, that's... Uh, it's criminal almost. Move, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Um, I, I briefly considered the iPads, James, but again, I think it's the same premise i don't think i would make use of it enough to justify the cost because i'd want the keyboard and i don't i don't think i'd make use to justify it um and i'd be more likely to just pick up my iphone um than to pick up an ipad and i also think that i probably shouldn't get the iphone 10 because i like the big screen on the plus and whilst it's technically bigger the ratio isn't mm. Which leads me on: Should I get an eight plus? And then that says that's crazy because there's very little difference. So you could just uh, save your money. I could. I know that, that is heresy, but I, I, I know. And I think I was talking about this with my mate down the pub last night. And I think we're so used to having the latest and greatest. And as an Apple user, I'm so used to jumping straight away. But I, I genuinely think they haven't really given us of late anything that compelling to do it and yeah. I, I couldn't go windows because i just don't i don't particularly like working that way even though i don't do any work as we've established um i, I so i just think the offerings at the moment we're sort of in a bit of a transitional period i think when they release the iphone 10 plus that's that's me <laughs> yeah yeah maybe well there's a, certainly there's certainly nothing wrong with um the 7 plus it's such a great device and if you've got Macs around the house at the moment that are going to do the job, um, then maybe, uh, yeah, maybe put that money towards a nice holiday or something. Perish the thought, James. I know, I know. What have we just, we've just gone and gone full circle now. That's it. I give up. I'm retiring. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I, I, I make that quite, uh, nearly, nearly on the hour. Yeah. Um, I think we should mention Nick's page. Yeah. So if anyone uh, has got any, uh, has had any sort of thoughts about uh, contributing to Nick's collection, he's obviously uh, suffering with an illness at the moment. That's meaning that he's not uh, getting all the work that he can. Then uh, 
His contribution page is paypal.me slash ratcat, R-A-T-K-A-T. Uh, and I'm sure he would appreciate the thought or contribution there. Yeah, get get well soon, Nick. And uh, as James said, any help I'm sure would be greatly appreciated. Um, okay, well, I'm going to uh, wrap it at that, I think, James. Okay. And thank you very much, Andy, and the, the back-end team, as always. Um, what's the Messenger outlook at the moment? I think we should probably mention that. So I think we are currently playing about with Telegram. Yep. And we've gone through several. We've gone through Slack and GroupMe. And I think that once we get uh, more of a crew together, which may be episode nine or even episode 10, we'll do the full dissection and roundup. And I think we will have covered pretty much every messaging platform uh, that there is out there then. And we should really be able to uh, hail the true winner at that point. Yeah, I am messaged out and badged notificationed out. Yes. It pings left, right and centre. Um, never has a mute switch been more gratefully received at times. So. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, James. Thank you very much, listeners. Um, if you haven't got anything else to add, James? I think that's it. So uh, we'll see you all in episode nine. And uh, thank you very much. You've been listening to The Tech Box. The Tech Box.